Thank you for joining me. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode number 86. People need to taste it. And when they taste it, they buy it. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire. And you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped. And now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar store, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today I have joining us Dr. Ray Bach. He's the owner and founder of Dr. Ray's Toffee. He's also the business manager of the Maywood Melrose Park Broadview School District Number 89, and performs storytelling and stand-up comedy in Chicago and Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Ray holds three degrees, a PhD in Educational Administration, an MBA, and a Master's in Elementary Education. He's an adjunct professor of Educational Finance at the University of Illinois, Concordia University, and the College of New Jersey's International Master's Program in Bangkok, Thailand. Boy, he sure gets around. Ray also has completed six Chicago marathons and is registered for the 2017 marathon as well. Oh my gosh, where in the world do you have time to make toffee? Welcome to the show, Dr. Ray. Thanks so much, Sue. Yeah, it's sometimes a challenge, especially around the holidays, finding the time, but with a little planning, it, uh, it all seems to work out. I'm just curious how many frequent flyer miles you have. <laughs> well, not that many. I used to work for GE and got to travel all the time, but uh, I've lost that status. <laughs> it certainly sounds like you've seen the world. Yeah, some parts of it. To start off the show, we like to get to know you in a little bit of a different way, and that's by having you describe what your ideal motivational candle would look like. So if you were to select a color and a quote, what would your motivational candle be? Sure. The color would be blue, and the quote would be from Senator Ted Kennedy. I think the first time he spoke this was at one of the Democratic National Conventions, and his quote is, the work goes on, the cause endures, the hope still lives, and the dream shall never die. I've worked in usually high-poverty schools most of my career, and so I just find that to be a very meaningful quote for the work that I do. I am going to jump right away into toffee because you are such an educated man there's so much here in the intro and i am so curious how did you get to where you are now with your toffee company well it was really a series of fortunate coincidental events i was student teaching in boulder colorado i was a senior at the university of colorado and the supervising teacher that i worked under in his sixth grade classroom he's probably 70 years old and he told me when I walked in that he was going to teach me how to teach or how to make toffee. And he did both. And so I'd been making toffee really, literally since 1980, mostly for family and friends at the holidays. And then probably six years ago or seven years ago, I started doing corporate gifts, just gift bags of toffee for my brother who gave those to his landscaping company clients. And so I would end up with a hundred one pound bags every Christmas season that I was doing. 
and did that for a few years, just kind of low key, not as a business, just as a side thing. And then about three years ago, I was leaving my last school district and looking for the next job and thinking, you know, besides looking for another job in schools, which I was doing, I thought, well, what can I do? Because what if I didn't get another job? So I thought, well, maybe it's time to start the toffee business and go into it full, you know, full time if I needed to or as a side. So I started the business about two and a half years ago. Then I did get another job in schools, my current full time job. And I've been doing it as a side business ever since. And it's been a great way to start a business when you don't have to rely on that income to pay the mortgage and to pay the bills. And I could grow it organically and incrementally and not be crazy about it either. Right. Well, I have a couple questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, how did you initially, what is it that you love about toffee? Because if you're thinking of possibly doing this more as you were, you know, when you started into the corporate gifts, what is it you love about making toffee? Well, I guess there's a couple of things. When I go into the kitchen and I rent a shared use kitchen, which is great for people starting up a food business because, you know, you've got to have a commercial licensed kitchen. And so I go in there after work and where so much of my day job involves face-to-face -face contact with people and we're solving big problems of education and finance and that. I go into the kitchen, oftentimes by myself, and I'm making the toffee, and it's just sort of this quiet, solitary activity. And I think there's something uh, just calming about that. The other thing that is gratifying is the response I get from people. Because I'll tell you, after 36 years of making and tasting this toffee, I'm kind of over it. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I taste the toffee when I'm cooking it, you know, for quality but it's not something I crave anymore. And so when people taste it for the first time and I get a very positive response and they just love it and they go on and on, it's kind of gratifying that the work that I do, you know, in that kitchen, people enjoy it, people appreciate it. People like to give that gift to others to show their appreciation for something that they've done. And uh, so it's just gratifying. Sure, so I wanted to get to this because it seems so different from what you're normally doing. Mm -hmm. But just the idea of it's you know, a place of solace and kind of inner reflection while you're making the toffee, yeah, I find really interesting. And then it's also, as you say, so satisfying because of the response that you're getting. Yeah. And honestly, what I me mean, one of the things that really gave me pause going into this was been in public education. I mean, I'm literally, I, I had been an 18-year-old school board member in Illinois. And so I've been doing public education a long time. And the thought of actually shutting it off and walking away from it gave me some something to think about. And did I really want to do that and make that career choice and leave it? So this is a way I'm able to balance still being in public education and being an entrepreneur, which I also love so much because it's so different than public education. As an entrepreneur, you can be so much more creative. It's frankly just more fun. <laughs> there you go. Well, and you're running the ship too then. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So Dr. Ray, we have a lot of people on the show who are just thinking now of starting a business. They might mm. be in the sweets industry. They might be jewelry makers or they might be knitters or all different types of people. Mm -hmm. And they listen because they're trying to understand what those first steps are. They have this idea, just like you did, you know, well, maybe I'll just go ahead and start doing this. What are the first steps that you took 
to actually formalize and get started in a real business. So let's make the assumption that you already have figured out what you're really good at. It's got to be something that you're really good at. So once you've got that figured out, you just kind of jump in. I figured out that you need to be registered with the state of Illinois for sales tax purposes. You have to have your federal employer VIN, the employer identification number, and incorporated as I did an LLC. And I just used LegalZoom. So really, I did it very low budget, very low budget. I needed a website and I went to Squarespace for that. It's a very user-friendly site that you can build on your own. I had a friend who's tech savvy help me, but it is, I mean, easily done by an amateur without a tech background. And so then you've got your website up, you've got your online shopping store set and ready to go. You're set up as a legal structure you file your sales tax reports, and you're basically ready to go. And you got to keep good records. And I will admit, I have a box that has all my receipts and expenses in. And at the end of the year, I camp out for several days <laughs> and organize <laughs> it. So <laughs> the advice, you know, do as I say and not as I do, stay organized. And then you can save yourself a lot of time at the end of the year. Have a good accountant as well. So that you can focus on your product. That's right. And figure out your marketing. Get your Facebook page. I also did Facebook ads that were not successful for me. I don't think I got any business from Facebook ads, even having tried it and boosted the ad and all that stuff. Any kind of Facebook business that comes through it is a result of Facebook friends and just staying in front of their eyes. For me, those Facebook ads were a waste of money. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, Facebook is a whole other topic, but I have also heard, and just gift biz listeners as you're listening, and Ray is pretty much underlying here, boosting of Facebook ads does not seem to be the way to go. If you start targeting specifically, I know a lot of people who have used Facebook ads successfully, but doing the boost from what I'm hearing and, and Ray is saying just isn't the way to go necessarily if you're looking to get business. Yeah, I guess it depends on the product, the service, and your skill in targeting. But for me, it just wasn't worth it. What you did was boost your Facebook posts. That's what you did, right? No, I created. Well, I did that as well. That's, that's oh, so point. you did, I did that as well, okay. as well okay. as Facebook. At one point in the business cycle, did you do that, right? When you were just getting started or recently? or When I first got started and into the first year, year and a half, I'd say. It would be periodic, and I, I haven't done it in a while. All right. I'm going to get back to this in a second, the whole advertising and getting in business. But I just want to summarize what you talked about, again, for people who are just getting started. Dr. Ray is talking about the first thing you should do is take care of all your legal stuff. Get registered. Make sure that you structure yourself as a legal business be collecting receipts, et cetera, and then also put up your website right away because even if you are a local business, home-based, or let's say you start directly into a brick and mortar, whatever, you still want to have a website associated with your business. And then also marketing. You can't just assume that because you have a website or you know, you're up for business that people are going to know about you. You have to bring people and attract people towards you. And that is by reaching out to them so that they know you're there. Yes. Okay. So people who are in consumables may have some questions for you also about your commercial space. 
how did you go about identifying what was going to work for you? And talk through that a little bit for us. Sure. Well, like I say, to be legit in a food service business, you have to have a commercial licensed kitchen. But for a beginner, someone's just starting out, that's a huge investment to do that. And there's a whole community of shared use kitchens everywhere because it's very popular because a lot of people want to start a business and be entrepreneurs and follow their dreams. So I started visiting some of the shared use kitchens in and around Chicago, but I don't live in the city. So that wasn't particularly convenient nor economical with with some of the prices. And then I found United Kitchen, which is in LaGrange, which is like eight minutes from my house. So it was, (laughs) yeah, it was, could not be more convenient and very economical, very reasonably priced. And so I rent the kitchen by the hour. There's a, a nice community. Bridget Conlon, who's the, the relatively new owner, she's had the store for over a year now, has done a great job of building this community among the cooks. So every now and then we have meetings where we get to meet each other and really share ideas. And sometimes there are common topics that's the focus of the meeting. Because otherwise, you rarely cross other vendors unless you're crossing time in the kitchen. Right. So the shared use kitchen has been the way to go to get started. For yeah. Me. So it sounds like not only you're renting, yes, but there are other opportunities in terms of business growth and knowledge that you're getting from that association. I've learned so much from some of the other vendors, the other cooks in there who have more experience than I do in some of the, the aspects of the food business. Because I don't have the formal training in food science or culinary school. I just know one, one thing and that's toffee. <laughs> how did you go about the name of your product is your name but how did you go about deciding on some of that in terms of what the product name was going to be what your logo was going to look like that kind of thing i figured if i was going to leave public education i could still use my degree in the name <laughs> absolutely it's funny because when i do these markets i'm face to face with customers they see oh dr ray's toffee and they ask what kind of doctor are you or are you a real doctor? Oh, right. <laughs> and, and so, of course, they're assuming I'm some kind of like physician kind of doctor. So the joke is, and it's, it's, I only do it with some people who look like they want to play. Because I'll say, well, if you want to tell me what hurts, I'll listen. <laughs> if you want to show me something, I'll look and not judge. But in the end, you'll be just fine. Hey, eat toffee, you'll be fine. You said that to me when I met you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> That's funny. I love that. So your logo and your name, you just did. Did you have Ah, did you mm -hmm. have someone created for you? Did you like in terms of the artwork and all of that? Or how did you go about getting that taken care of? Yeah, that's a good point. I completely glossed over there. Missed that part about the getting started because that's an important point. And I had a a designer that I had worked with in the past and some other projects. I came up with the name. I wanted to use the the Dr. Ray's toffee. But then I worked with a designer gave her some concepts, you know, with the kind of look and feel that I was after, that I liked. And then she took it from there. Uh, She uh, came back with a a variety of ideas. We went back and forth on some iterations until I really found the one that I liked. And I think that's an important one because you really need to like, you know, you need to love your logo because once you settle on it, you're going to live right. with it because it becomes your brand. It's what how people identify you. 
and you can find people fairly reasonably. You, you can look locally or overseas and you'll find those people doing freelance projects. So getting a professional design isn't terribly expensive. And you also want to do it for publication and also for internet quality for your website too, because they're not always the same. And so you need someone who has some knowledge about Good that. point. So you take the same logo and then you get different versions of it. So a website yeah. logo is a lot lighter of a file, if you will, because you want that so that mm -hmm. it loads pages really easily. So yeah. really important. So Gift Biz listeners, I want to stress this with a logo. And I love what Dr. Ray is saying because I cringe when I see people who use stock photography as their logo because you're not mm -hmm. separating yourself. You're not really customizing it to be your business. Stock photos are so easy to see. So you're talking about how it can be really easy right in your neighborhood or you can find somebody online. It doesn't need to be a major investment, but you absolutely should make a logo that's yours and that resonates with you, that is colors that you like or colors that are appropriate to your brand, you know, your product, whatever you're doing. Dr. Ray's logo is no surprise, colors of English toffee. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in terms of even like the font styles, all of that. That type of thing you really want to customize and make your own and also when you get some samples when you get some ideas some concepts back show people show your family show oh, your friends yeah and you don't they don't get to vote you're the only one who gets to vote but it's good to get feedback because they may see something that you don't see they may feel something that you don't feel it's good to get that you know little focus group response with my logo my designer actually took some of my handwriting where I wrote out Dr. Ray's toffee. Then she combined it and integrated it with some lettering. Oh, so that's and what that's, I'm looking at your logo right now. So that's what the toffee is, is your own handwriting. That's correct. Right. Right. Very so, interesting. And it kind yeah. of breaks up instead of just having block letters. It breaks sure. up the logo. And I, I think it makes it a little more eye catching that way. It absolutely does. So, OK, so Dr. Ray, you have been making toffee almost. Let's just call it forever. Right. Yes. And so you really had the skill down pat. You knew how to make the product, maybe not in mass like you're doing now. Mm -hmm. But it's just been recently that you've turned it into a business. Is there some struggle or something that you weren't anticipating that challenged you as you were getting started with the company that you could share? Well, first was just taking it from an individual doing a five quart pot and going to some kind of a semi-mass production because the key with toffee is constant stirring. You have to stir it constantly. And to do a like a Dutch oven type pot, it would require about an hour of stirring for every single batch of toffee. And that just took forever. When I was doing my brother's orders at Christmas, it would be weeks because I can only last so long stirring before my arm gives out. Well, and you need family to start members, massage appointments arms. or something. That's, it's just insanity. You know, and then I considered, well, what if I hire people just to stand there and stir? And that wasn't very economical, especially in the early starting stages. And then I found this professional toffee making machinery. And well, that's fine, except it costs $10,000. Again, ridiculously out of price. And then I found automatic stirrers from Norway that cost like $60 shipped. It's the sort of thing that has a bracket, an arm that sits on top of the pot. It's adjustable. I was able to triple the size of my pot 
get a bigger pot because it, it needed to be deeper. So my quantity also was tripled instantly. I found this online. I didn't know coming from Europe whether I'd ever actually see it. So I ordered one and figured if I'd never see it, then you know it was a $60 investment that just didn't pan off. But it arrived promptly and it works great. Of course, I had to get an electrical adapter because it has one of those outlets for that they use in Europe to recharge the batteries. So I got that and then I immediately turned around and ordered like six more because that is the only way that I'd be able to create this much volume of toffee in a short period of time. And now what would take me, you know, it would take, gosh, it might, might have taken me a week or longer to do 100 pounds of toffee. I can do that in a night. You discover these techniques, these strategies that will help you increase and overcome these obstacles and, and really increase your output. Mm-hmm. And that's the fun thing about being an entrepreneur. You come across these little challenges and then you're being creative in terms of how you're going to solve these problems. That's the thing I love about being an entrepreneur and being around other entrepreneurs. There's just this eternal optimism. There is no problem that we can't solve. Don't always see that, frankly, when I'm working in schools. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's why it's so refreshing being an entrepreneur. And that's another thing, too, that I would suggest to people when you're getting started in a business there are all sorts of entrepreneurial groups. There are meetup groups. They're, they're everywhere. Find them and connect with them because there's a lot of sharing within this entrepreneurial community. There's a lot of just good, positive energy in that community. I love that you put words to it because as I was listening to you, you know, you used the power of the internet. I don't know what term you Googled, but you found the solution to your problem. And I mm-hmm. often say... The most important thing that an entrepreneur needs is resourcefulness, mm-hmm. not going yes. and saying, oh, you know, stopping you in your tracks because this is a problem. Like, what if you got in huge orders and there's no way you could fulfill everything? You anticipated that. You found a solution. And then you take pride in the fact that, look, I didn't have to buy this $10,000 machine, 60 bucks, yes, from Europe, but... I've got my solution. And it's That's those right. types of things, you know, those challenges when you overcome those, those are hurdles that where a lot of people fall off. You yes. know, they get to the point and they say, like, I can't do it. I can't possibly produce this much. And then they're done. The business closes or they limit themselves. And your story is a perfect example of how you can be successful because you overcome these challenges. You just figure it out. <laughs> you figure it out. That's right. Okay. We were talking about Facebook and that it was less than what you had anticipated. Let's mm-hmm. put it that right. way. Right. What are you doing now that is helping you bring in business? I think there are two things, two strategies that have worked well. I do a number of events where I give the toffee away. And I did that especially at the beginning stages. So donating to charitable organizations when they're having raffles and things like that, stopping by businesses and dropping off samples. I gave away a ton of samples. But really the thing, see the thing with with toffee, and, and maybe it's true with just any kind of food item, is people need to taste it. And when they taste it, they buy it. So that's maybe why the Facebook advertising wasn't really working out too well because I do so well at face-to-face events. So I do a lot of markets, 
one of the most successful events that got me going and really launched me forward quickly was doing the Williams-Sonoma Artisan Markets in Oakbrook, Illinois. I heard about it. I was invited to participate there, and it's been probably a good 18 months that I've been coming every month now. They invite local vendors in, and a lot of the Williams-Sonomas do that. They invite local vendors to come in and do a sampling, sell their product there. So is that right in their store? Yep, right in their store. And it's something that many of the the Williams-Sonomas do. You just have to go in and talk to the manager and see if they're doing it and how you can get involved in that. And it's a great way because it creates sort of a buzz for them in the store, keeps people in the store. And it's a great opportunity for us as a local vendor. And then when I'm there every single month, people come back looking for it, looking for me, looking for the toffee. Sure. So I saw you, like I had said earlier, at the America's Baking and Sweets show, and people were buying the toffee, no question about it. So I know that it was happening there. But if I could add one thing, that's because before we get off that topic, because that also is another key learning for me, is that you may be at certain events that, you know, regardless of whatever the event is, you never know where it's going to lead to, because it only takes one person with the right connection to open up other doors. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you know, we, we go to these markets and we sell the toffee, but get one person who walks up to you and says, hmm, this is good. I'm a buyer for XYZ store. And that lead now is, is leading to very likely being in her chain of 10 stores in Chicago that I didn't even know that she had 10. I thought she had one, you know, just one thing leads to another. That's just the thing. You never know who's going to walk into your business, who's going to walk into your life like that and could really change things. That's awesome. I love that you talk about that with the shows. It also shows how you want to make sure that you're talking and treating every single person. If you're at a show, as you would want to be treated. You know, don't ever discount anybody. I've heard stories before of someone who will come to me later and talk about, oh yeah, I went up to that booth and you know, they didn't have the time of day for me, (laughs) something like that. And they could have missed a great opportunity such as the one that you clearly have encountered. That's right. The poor people who are in the booths next to me, like I do Randolph Street Market every month in, in Chicago, they've heard my pitch thousands of times (laughs) (laughs) and each time you got to try to make it fresh and unique for the person standing in front of you so it's not that you're you're not on a loop where you just keep repeating 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 but trying to treat that customer as this is the first time you're ever telling the story your excitement will equate and transfer over to them being excited you asked the question earlier about what do people need to do to get started in the business i keep thinking of these other ideas And the other thing that's really important is understand your story. Have your story to tell people. You know, you talk about elevator pitches and all that, and that's true. But understand why you're doing it and what it's all about. Because when I tell the story about the toffee, it's not just, here's some toffee, eat it, do you like it, buy it. And sometimes they specifically come up and say, so what's your story? So why is this better? Why is it different? That's all the part of your story. It's your brand. And you, you just need to be prepared to answer that question. And so how do you answer that question? I tell them that I've been making this toffee for 36 years. It tends to be thinner and softer than a lot of the others. And so 
people who like their teeth as well as their toffee uh, <laughs> like this. And that's, of course, that cuts across every demographic because it's not just <laughs> the seniors. It's everyone who yeah. <laughs> kind of because a lot, lot of times people walk up and they see toffee and they're afraid of it because it has a reputation of being rock hard. And the other reason, too, that I say that is because the big name in toffee in Chicago, the competition, the one who owns the toffee market in Chicago, he has like 30 different varieties and it's very thick typically hard like that. And so I'm pointing out the distinction of how mine is different. And I also say I only do one flavor, the traditional almond flavor. This is really important too, because you are niched down. Your product is, it's still toffee, so it's in the same category, but you are different and there are gonna be loyalists to you just because of what you do. And I point this out that more isn't always better. You know, having mm -hmm. more choices to people isn't always better. People sometimes really struggle making choices. So yep. in that way, that could lead really well to your advantage. And the other thing that stands out that makes people, some people make the decision to buy, is that they like seeing the face of the business. And so I say, I've been making this toffee for 36 years. And they say, oh, you've, you make the toffee? And I say, yes, I do all the cooking. I've got some help with the packaging. I've gotten away from some of that part. I'm the only one that does the cooking. And people like that interaction with the person behind the brand. Okay, this brings up two questions that I have to ask you. First off, just more from a business standpoint, again, you're talking about the fact that you've given samples away, not only at shows, but you would walk into some businesses and give samples. Mm -hmm. Did you see that that did transition into sales for you? Yeah, it's, it's not an overnight process by any means, but it is a slow and gradual process. It's part of the process of just getting out there. You'll see your business grow exponentially once you start getting out there. I mean, my biggest customer now, my biggest Christmas order of 120 pounds of toffee came from the recipient of one of my brother's client gifts. So my brother gave this client of his toffee, and he liked it so much, that client now turns around and gives it to his clients. And it's like I say, it's an even bigger order than, than my brother's original order. So it just tends to grow effect. exponentially exactly exactly okay and so since you are the single manufacturer of your toffee what's the growth plan well that's an interesting question because there's two other aspects of growing the business that i've kind of been dragging my feet on moving ahead now slowly you need your upc codes the barcodes if you're going to be in any kind of a large store and you also need the nutritional analysis for a food product, which I have those, but most of my stores, I'm in about a dozen stores, are relatively small neighborhood specialty stores. And so they haven't required, they don't have, they're, they're not so large that they need the UPC codes and all that. But now the example that I gave you of the individual who has really 10 stores that may very well be carrying the toffee next needs the nutritional analysis and the UPC codes. And so I'm in the process now of taking that next step. And actually, when I do that, then I will be able to make my pitch to a Mariano's or to a Jewel or to any other larger store that requires that. If I get to that point, that means I'm going to have to 
spend some more time doing the cooking or cooking a whole lot more. And that's when I'll have to make the decision of, do I make that jump? Am I able to make a jump and do full time at some point in the near future? Or do I bring in people and train people to do the cooking? Frankly, that's one of the things that I'm not comfortable with. I mean, I have wonderful people, but the whole issue of trade secrets and how I make that toffee is all I've got. And so if someone's able to replicate it and do it all well, then there's, you know, what's yeah. the difference? Well, then you and, get into confidentiality agreements and legal. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to, that's a whole thing. But, you know, and nothing says that, so many people think success is you just get bigger and you get bigger and you get bigger. That doesn't need to be the sign of success either. Maybe you decide, you know, this is what I want. I'm going to stay smaller. You know, I'm not going to go yeah. through those large chains. And nothing says that you're not as successful a business if you decide that that's not what you want. You know, right. With growth comes new challenges. <laughs> so. oh, well, I, I mean, a great example of that is when I was having one of those flights of fantasy and calling Costco because everyone wants, you know, everyone wants to be in Costco. Supposedly. I talked to, <laughs> right. Well, this is how I was thinking. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was talking to the buyer for candies and she listed some of the requirements that they have, which are just enormous requirements. And she said, besides that, you don't want to be at Costco. She said, we, at the stage that I'm at, she said, we would bankrupt you just because of all the requirements that, that they place. You really have to be bigger. So you're right. Going big isn't always the yeah. panacea that's that, yeah. uh, the dream that everyone wants. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good and it's nice to say, but then the reality of having to actually do it it's a whole different ball game in terms of how you're conducting your business, your ability to be part of the business. And if you're really enjoying what we talked about in the very beginning, being able to produce the toffee in yeah. a quiet environment, it's peaceful, it's probably a little meditational, if you will. You, you know, you would lose touch with that a lot. Right, right. And so many people say, oh, are you ready to go on Shark Tank and get all that publicity? And I say, no, no, that would right. be the last thing I'd want. I do like watching that show. That's actually another piece of advice to people. Watch the show because if you listen to the questions, those are important questions that every entrepreneur should be able to answer for themselves. The right. numbers, the accounting, the business, all that. But A, I wouldn't want somebody else because if you go on Shark Tank, they take a piece of the action. Right. I mean, they buy into it, but they take a piece of the action. It's my action. I don't want to share my action <laughs> just yet. Right. <laughs> or at all. And to be taking orders from someone else. That's why I'm being an entrepreneur. Absolutely agree. All right, Dr. Ray, we're going to move now into the reflection section. And these are just some short answers from you as to other things about you that have helped you to be successful. Okay. Is there a natural trait that you call upon regularly that's helped you to succeed? I think as an entrepreneur, it's actually a lesson that I learned as a first-year teacher. When I was teaching in the uh, Keneyville School District in uh, Illinois, and in Roselle, Maxine G. Martin was my reading specialist, the reading director, and come to her and say, well, yeah, there's this kid's not reading. And she'd say, well, what have you tried? And what have you tried next? What have you tried after that? And so the point was, you just never give up, ever. You just keep, if you've got, when you've got a challenge, a problem, you figure out a solution, and if it takes 100 efforts, and those hundred aren't successful, you just keep at it. 
that's it. And so just learning, you never give up. Just like with your mixer, right? You figure it out. Right, exactly. <laughs> you figure it out. You figure it out. What tool do you use regularly to help you keep productive? I would recommend two. They're sister publications, Fast Company Magazine, which is an amazing magazine for entrepreneurs, kind of gives uh, you know the social entrepreneurship, the visionary uh, aspects of entrepreneurship. I find it very inspirational. And it's sister publication, Inc. Magazine, I-N-C, which is more the nuts and bolts of running a business, the accounting, the marketing, very hands-on kinds of things. So those two publications, I think, are some of the best tools that I've got. Perfect. And continuing on with education and keeping us informed, have you read a book lately that you think our listeners could find value in? The book that I always recommend, I've given this book away to friends. It's Never Eat Alone. It's by Keith Ferrazzi. And it's basically a book about networking and getting out there. Beautiful. And Gift Biz listeners, since you're listening to this podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. And I know that Never Eat Alone has been out for a while, so it's possible mm-hmm. that it is an audiobook already. But I've teamed up with Audible, and if you haven't already taken me up on this offer, you can get a free Audible book on me. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. Okay, Dr. Ray, I want to invite you now to my favorite part of the podcast, and that is for you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. This is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Okay. The dream that I've had is that I want to get to the point where I can retire from public education, which is between now and three years probably, but have a thriving toffee business and a thriving speaking business as well. Because I also do speaking on the side on entrepreneurship and educational topics too. And live in Chicago, because Chicago is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Live in Chicago from roughly May 1st through Christmas because it's beautiful. I knew All you were going to evade beautiful. the snow. I knew it. That's I right. knew this was coming. <laughs> and on December 26th, I fly to Rio de Janeiro and spend that time from from December 26th through April in Rio, because I'm a permanent resident of Brazil. So I do go back frequently, but I would love to spend my time, split my time that way and come back and forth to do speeches because I just love doing that part too. And then of course I will have trained someone to make the toffee, obviously. I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> How are you going to do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll figure that out. <laughs> Listen, I love your answer because it's so detailed and you know, so mm. often we'll go and just carry on and live our day and live our day and not really think about and define what the future is. And you've got a plan. So I think this is easily going to be achieved for you in a few years, not right away. Right. There are a few <laughs> things that have to fall into place, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Right. There you go. All right. If our listeners are out and about right now and not near a computer, because everyone, you all know, there's a show notes page where you'll be able to see all of Dr. Ray's information, websites, social media sites, all of that. But if someone's out and about just listening to this, is there a single place you would direct them to to get more information about you and your product? Sure. They could go to the website, 
which is drraystoffee.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Ray. I really appreciate all the information that you've given us. I love the structure. No surprise with all your degrees that you're very structured and organized, but (laughs) in terms of all the information of how to start a business, really great information on ways you're able to capture customers and bring them in, your plan for growth, all of that has been so informative. I so appreciate your spending the time and sharing all that you have. And may your candle always burn bright. Thanks so much, Sue. I've enjoyed it. Where are you in your business building journey? Whether you're just starting out or already running a business and you want to know your setup for success, find out by taking the Gift Biz Quiz. Access the quiz from your computer at bit.ly slash giftbizquiz or from your phone by texting giftbizquiz to 44222. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by The Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out the ribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.